Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. So I'm curious, how many of you here were accident-prone as a kid? Like you got hurt a lot. Jeff, I can certainly see. Yeah, you got, you got hurt a lot. Twilliger, you had to have gotten hurt a lot as a kid. I mean, come on. You guys, I got hurt a lot as a kid. I was extremely accident prone. So, so let me introduce you to my younger self. How do you like that bowl haircut, you guys? Isn't it? Don't worry, later in high school, that became a mullet, so uh, that's all good. That's me when I was younger with my little sister. I'm not really sure why she had a black eye. Um, I'm not sure if I had something to do with that or not. Here I am with some of my cousins and my grandma. Uh, for those of you that, that know me very well, you know, I like to hunt, hunt. I had a gun, you know, really early at a young age. Yeah. But you guys, I was, I was a ridiculously accident-prone kid. How many of you have ever heard of Aflac? You know, like the insurance that pays you when you get hurt, you know, the duck on TV, Aflac? My mom and dad, if they had had an Aflac policy on me, my mom and dad would have been driving a Ferrari because I got hurt so much. It was, a, it was just ridiculous. And I have scars all over my body that remind me of that season of being accident prone. I've got a scar right here on this wrist. I was about five or six. My mom was ironing clothes, and I I put my hand up on the ironing board. She set the iron down, and it got bumped and landed on my wrist. I've got a nice scar right there. I've got a big scar on this arm right in here. I'd been riding my bike and flipped my bike when I was, I don't know, 11 years old, 10 years old or something, and I just tore up this whole arm. And it had healed after a couple months. All that was left was just a bandage on this section of my arm. I remember I was in either fifth or sixth grade. Remember that cool game called Foursquare? You know, the little red ball that you bounce, you know? I mean, yeah, it's pretty cool, you know? So I was playing Foursquare at lunch, and and this one kid had been kind of in the top place the whole time during lunch, and I got him out, and he got mad. And this is kind of gross, but he runs over to me, moves my bandage aside. He had long fingernails, and he literally tore... I know, mamas, I'm sorry. He tore the scab off, so I've got a scar on that side of my arm. I was a accident-prone kid. I remember being maybe uh, eight or nine years old. My mom and dad and my aunt and uncles, we took all the family, went to Kalaylock on the Washington coast to go to uh, camp, and I was walking on the beach, you know, big sandy beach with my cousin, Crystal. She's really cool. And we're walking on the beach... And we're about six feet apart, and I'm walking, and somebody the night before had put a bonfire on the beach. And when they got done with the bonfire, all that they did was push some sand over the coals. I had no idea that there was hot coals there. She's over here about six feet. I walk, and I step in the middle of these hot coals. And I'm not Tony Robbins, so I don't, know, I don't know what to do. So I start jumping, and it seemed like no matter which way I moved, I was still in the coals, and my cousin Crystal had to carry me back. I spent the whole family vacation laying in bed with my mom, nursing the bottoms of my feet because they had all blistered. And I was, you guys, I was an accident-prone kid. 
My older brother, Paul, this is you guys, you're going to like this story. So my older brother, Paul, I was maybe nine, which would have made him like 11. We're at Samilk Beach over in Anacortes, and we found this four-foot chunk of white styrofoam, big block of styrofoam. We're down on the beach, and, and it made sense to us, but we decide, let's light it on fire. <laughs> so we lit it on fire. And we didn't think our way through it, but all of a sudden, this styrofoam, there's black smoke that's starting to go up, and now it's getting bigger. And I'm like, oh, man, Paul, we're in big trouble. And Paul goes, hey, I got this figured out. So he goes and grabs a stick, and I get out of the way, and my brother Paul starts beating on this thing of styrofoam. And I'm standing behind him about six feet. And flying through the air is this big glob of molten styrofoam lava, and it lands right here on my arm, and I can't get it off. So it's stuck to my arm, and I'm yelling at my brother, and well, the tide was out, so there, there was no water for me, so I'm running through the mud, finally get into some salt water and get this styrofoam. I've got a nice scar right there. I have a scar on the roof of my mouth. Mamas, brace yourself for this one. Mamas, how many times have you told your kids, don't run through the house with a stick? I was seven years old, and I'm running through the house just in time to hear my mom say, Mark James Evans, you know when mama says your middle name, you should stop. I trip over the leg of a chair. And I fall, and the stick hits the ground and goes right up through the roof. I have a scar on the roof of my mouth. goes up. I was, that would have been a big Aflac game, right? <laughs> I was just an accident-prone kid. I was playing with my grandpa. My last accident-prone story for you. My grandma and grandpa were really important in my life. I had spent the night there and watched Dukes of Hazard and Gilligan's Island and Grandma in the morning would make me Swedish pancakes and as much sausage as I could possibly eat. And my grandpa and I had played a card game. And I don't remember what the card game was, but we used beans to keep score. You know, like refried beans, you know, like these little beans. So we used these beans to keep score. And we finish, we clean up, and we're watching WWF or something with my grandpa. I don't remember. But I find this extra bean on the carpet. And I didn't know what to do with it. So... I'm like nine years old, okay? So I stick it in my ear. I mean, it seemed logical to me at the moment, so I stick this bean in my ear, and I can't get it out. So later in the night, I'm, I can't get this stupid bean out. Well, I'm embarrassed, so I'm not going to tell nobody. Well, about three days later, I start getting an earache. So I go to my mom. Hey, mom, uh, I got an earache. Why do I do that now? Well, I got a bean in my ear. She's like, what? So she gets a pair of tweezers, and she can't get this bean out of my ear. So she says, just wait till your dad gets home. He'll get it out. Dad gets home, and now he brings out the big guns. He brings needle-nose pliers and a flashlight. And he's trying to get this bean out of my ear, and he can't get it out. He pushes it in a little bit farther. So now... Off to Dr. Brooks we go. So we get into Dr. Brooks' office, and he's like, Mark, what are you here for again? And I tell him, and he's like, well, he's got this special tool where he can drill a hole through the bean, and he pulls it out, and I kid you not, he pulls this bean out of my ear, and he says, this bean has sprouted. Oh. 
It was a warm, damp, moist place, and that bean <laughs> sprouted. My goodness, I was, I was an accident-prone kid. Now, I want you to notice something with all of those stories. Most of those stories, I have physical scars that remind me of those stories. But those scars don't hurt anymore. You know, there's other types of pain that we go through in our life that we probably have scars from as well. Like I look back and I have seasons of my life where I can, I can look at it and I know that I went through pain in certain seasons of my life. When I was in junior high and early high school, I was picked on a lot at school. I was actually really small. And uh, for me, junior high and up through about my sophomore year, I hated school because I was terrorized at school. I was fearful at school. I'd get home and I would cry. And, and I just felt a lot of pain in that particular season in my life. I went through the pain of losing a big brother. I was 34. My older brother, Paul, was 37, died of a heart attack and was gone in a moment. I had the pain of watching my dad, who was my hero in many ways in my life, battle Parkinson's disease for 20 years, and this mountain of a man get withered away from battling Parkinson's disease and ultimately take his life a couple years ago. I've been through the pain of a divorce and a bankruptcy, right? Life, is, life can have moments of extreme pain. And the reality, friends, is this, and this may not sound really encouraging, but there's encouragement coming. The reality is that all of us are either in a season of pain today or a moment of pain today. We're coming out of a season of pain or pain might be on the horizon in our life. So today, friends, I want to talk about how can we make sure that we don't waste our pain. So I want to talk about three different things today. I want to talk about the promise of pain I want to talk about the perspective of pain and then ultimately the, pat, the platform of pain. And at the end of each one of these three points today, I'm going to give you a question that my encouragement to you today is to write that question down uh, because my hope is that you would take that question and, and maybe you would ponder it in your own life. Maybe you would talk about it with your spouse. Maybe you would talk about it with your life group this week. So let's talk about the promise of pain. So we all know that pain is just part of the human experience, right? None of us are getting out of this life without experiencing some pain in our life. And the Bible talks about how pain really entered this world. We can look all the way back to the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and sin entered this world, and when they did that, pain came with it. We all know that becoming a Christian, at least I hope we know, that when we become a Christian doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to live the rest of our life void of pain. Let's, let's look at a verse actually about this. John 16, 33 says this. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. You're going to have some pain. But here's some good news. He says, but take heart because I have overcome 
the world. So the reality is that we are all going to experience pain, but there's a couple other promises about pain that the Bible talks about as well that I want to share with you really quickly. The first one is that it's not going to last forever. The pain that we experience here on earth is not going to last forever. Let's look at a verse in Revelations. It says this, he will wipe away. This is good news, friends. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. That's good news. Another promise that the Bible tells us about pain is that we are not alone. I really believe, friends, that so often when we're in the middle of our pain, it's easy to think, God, where are you? But the truth is that God is as much with us in that moment as he is in the moments where we feel like we're on the mountaintop in our life. We're not alone. It's one of the reasons as well why I believe so passionately in doing life together with a life-giving you know, church with people and be plugged into a life group because I don't want you to be alone when you experience seasons of pain in your life. I remember somebody said this statement one time. It said, you cannot heal what you won't reveal. In other words, there might be some things that you've gone through in your life, some pains that you've been through in the past or some pains that you're in right now that we can't heal what we won't reveal. Let's look at a verse in Psalms 34. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. That's good news. Another promise, and this is a promise, you guys, that I've, I've really struggled and wrestled with in my lifetime. But the reality is that there is a promise that the Bible says that God will work all things together for good. Now, I'm going to read a verse, and, and to be candid with you guys, I was really hesitant to, um, to share this particular verse in this message because I've really wrestled with this verse over my lifetime about how can this be true. But let's look at Romans 8.28 and what the Bible says. It says, and we know that God, that God causes everything, not some things, not sometimes, that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Because I've really wondered so often, especially when I'm in a season of pain, I've wondered, God, how, how are you going to work this together for good? Because it doesn't feel like you're working it together for the good. And while I was preparing for this message, you guys, I, had, I was praying over this verse, and I was like, God, the Bible says it. Help me wrestle my way through it. And I just had this thought that, that was like, Mark, what, about, what if the pain that you're going through, what if it isn't necessarily for your good? What if it's for someone else's good? What if? Because God's word says that I will work everything together for good. So let's look at a key question on the promise of pain. So here's a question I want you to write down. How have I seen God work things together for good? That'd be a good question to ponder as you look back on moments of pain in your life. Because if we can see how we did that in our past, 
we might be able to remember that when we're going through a season of pain today. Let's talk about the perspective of pain. So we talked about the, the promise of pain. Let's talk about the perspective of pain. Now, I don't know if you guys, I would imagine you're like me, but when I, when I experience pain, I tend to become very inwardly focused. I kind of put on blinders, and I, I, I get pretty selfish. I get, like, I, I, when I experience pain, I just get really, it's, it becomes really about me. I mean, ask my wife. If I get a headache, I mean, I'm like, where's the ibuprofen? I mean, I'm like, I just get very inwardly focused. Because I want, to, I want to talk for a minute about the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul had a very unique perspective about pain that I really believe we can learn from. Now, for those of you that may not know, the Apostle Paul, he like wrote half of the New Testament. And he experienced incredible pain of all kinds that you could imagine. I mean, this is a man that was shipwrecked. This is a man that was beaten up. This was a man that was falsely imprisoned. This is a man who had his friends leave him. This is a man that was disappointed in the work that he had put into the lives of people. Paul knew a tremendous amount about pain. But so now on the backdrop of that, I want to look at a verse that Paul wrote about pain because I want to be more like the guy that wrote this verse. This man that experienced way more pain than I have in my life had this very unique perspective about pain. So let's look at that verse. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings, the pain that I'm going through, the pain that I've gone through, the pain that I know is coming, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You see, Paul had this very, he had this very different perspective about pain. Where I know I tend to get very inwardly focused, focused on the pain. He had this way different perspective, this eternal perspective about pain, even when he was going through pain. So I have this rope here. And I want you to imagine that this rope is a, is a timeline of your existence. And this, this section in blue here, in tape, I want you to imagine that that part of this rope represents your time here on earth. And there's, there's a beginning, right? There's a beginning. And, and there's an end. I mean, there is going to be an end for all of us, right? Unless Jesus comes first, right? We're not getting out of here alive, right? I mean, unless Jesus comes first, right? So... So, but here's what happens to me in pain. In light of all of this, it's so easy for me to get very focused on this little moment in this blue section. Where Paul, Paul had this perspective where he thought about his life and the things that he was going through with this perspective. He thought in terms of thousands, thousands of years upon thousands of years. It shifted. He had this unique ability to look at pain with an eternal perspective of pain. 
If we think in terms of thousands, it might just give me a moment, enough of a pause to say, stop being so inwardly focused on the pain of today and maybe think about what God might be doing in the midst of it and then think about eternity. This last year, um, uh, my wife went through breast cancer. And not a lot of people know about that. She went through surgery, went through radiation treatments, and challenges that come with all of that. But I watched my wife. I learned so much about how to go through a season of pain with the way my bride did that. Yeah, there, there was some tears. There was some fears. There was some, certainly some physical discomfort and unknown of what's coming. But she had this beautiful ability to experience joy and peace and comfort. I would listen to my wife in the morning worship as she's getting ready to go to a radiation treatment. She had this incredible ability to have a long-term eternal perspective about a moment in her life. Proud of you, babe. Yeah. So, so the question, you guys, becomes this. What do we choose to focus on when it literally feels like our very soul is being broken or crushed? How, and and how, do we, how do we shift our perspective? Let me give you a couple really practical couple thoughts maybe to consider about how can we shift our perspective. The first one sounds cliche, and I almost didn't put this up here, but I'm going to because it sounds too cliche, but I believe it's true. And that is that we can choose to grow through what it is that I'm going through. Yeah. We, can, we can choose that. Like, it may feel like I'm literally going through the valley of the shadow, but there, there is the ability to lean down and pick something up on the way. We can choose to grow through what I'm going through. Friends, pain is, gonna, pain is going to move us. The question is, what does it move us towards? Let's look at a verse in Romans. Romans chapter 5. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. We, we, can re, we can rejoice. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And we know that that endurance helps us develop character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And those verses go on. Like, like we can choose. We can Choose to rejoice even when we're going through pain and challenges in our life. Another way that we can shift our perspective is to evaluate whether or not we are stuck in a season of pain. I kind of, guys, I kind of view it like this. I kind of imagine a big four-wheel drive pickup truck stuck in the mud and it's it's like it's not putting in four-wheel drive. It's just spinning its wheels, right? It's stuck. 
Like, I think sometimes in life, we maybe need to lean back a little bit and just say, am I stuck? I've, I've, been, in this, I've been in this season of pain for a long time. Am, am, I, am I stuck? Let's look at a verse in Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. Talking about seasons. For everything, for everything, there is a season, a season. A time for every activity under the sun. Time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve. And a time to dance. The key word in there, you guys, is a season. It's a season. Right? We're in winter right now, but we know, thank you, Jesus, that spring is coming. Right? Enough already. Right? And we know that after springtime comes summertime. And after summertime, it, there's, it's, a, it's a season. So I think we have to evaluate, am I, am I stuck you see, sometimes what happens, I think, is when we get stuck, is it would be kind of like me looking at these scars that are on my body of when I got hurt when I was a kid and reliving the physical pain over and over and over. And, and it would be like if I just keep putting a Band-Aid on that and tearing it off again, right? Am I stuck? There was a season in my life where I got really stuck. Like I mentioned, I... When I was in junior high and coming into high school, I was really small. Uh, I mean, very small. Going into my freshman year, I'm five foot four, less than 100 pounds, be going into my freshman year in high school. And, and I was tormented by a group of guys at school. And I built up this incredible anger and bitterness and resentment about why does it seem like other people are having fun, but I hate this. I would get home from school and I would cry and I, even after high school, right, I finally grew, you know, and, and, you know, sprouted up like a bean, you know what I mean? And so I, I finally, I finally grew, but I get out of high school. So catch this. I'm 19 years old and I'm bitter and I'm 20 years old and I'm still ticked off that I went through what I did when I was 13 and 14, and I'm 22, and I'm 23, and I'm 24, and I'm 25. I'd been in full-time ministry for five years working with teenagers, and I was so bitter and angry about what I experienced when I was 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. I was, I was stuck in this constant reliving of that season in my life. I finally moved to Moses Lake. I was 28 years old and had moved over there to put a new youth ministry in that community. I had spent about a year uh, building up a board and raising money, doing all the things you got to do to do something over there. My first day of youth ministry in Moses Lake, Barry Lukaitis, an eighth grade boy, this is pre-Columbine, walked into his algebra class and shot his teacher and three students. That was my first day of full-time youth ministry in that community. I remember there's so much about that story, I'll tell you at another time, but pandemonium, as you could imagine, on the campus and at the hospital and meeting with kids and all of this stuff. And I, I began to have this overwhelming sense that I need to spend some time 
with Barry, the kid that did the shooting. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't trained. I didn't know anything about working with a student that had done something like that. I had I'd never met him before. I had never even met any kids before that particular day. So I start feeling like I need to go see this kid. I go to the police department. Of course, they won't let me go see him, right? I call pastors. I call people. I call just say, hey, would you pray? I have this feeling like I'm supposed to go meet with this kid. The next morning at about 6.15, my phone rings from a gentleman that owned Taco Time. He said, Mark, Barry Lukaitis' mom heard that you want to meet with her son, be, be down at Taco Time in 15 minutes. I drove down to, 15, or down to Taco Time 15 minutes later. I'm sitting across this table, and she asked me why I wanted to meet with her son, and I told her, and you guys, an hour and a half later, catch this, an hour and a half later, I'm driving between Moses Lake and Ephrata 30 minutes away, and I'm crying, and I'm praying, and I'm scared to death. How, do I how, how am I going to relate with this kid that just did this? I walk into this detention facility, and they open the doors, and there's about a 12-foot by 12-foot glass room in the middle of this detention facility with a table with two chairs. And I look in that, and they open the door, and sitting at that table is a little skinny 8th grade kid with a bull haircut and a white T-shirt. And in a moment, God took my pain away. In a moment, because my, my perspective changed. In a moment, my pain was gone. Friends, we have to remember that sometimes, oh man, sometimes God's preparation can come packaged as pain. Sometimes. Hmm. You guys think about this, like, like think about the soil. Like soil, has, in order for soil to produce crops, it goes through pain. It gets turned over. It gets, it gets worked over in the springtime, right? That's just the same way it is in our life. You guys, I believe this statement that I'm about ready to say wholeheartedly. Pain is fertile ground for radical change in our life. Pain is fertile ground for radical change in our life. The question is, does that pain hard us, harden us? Does it prepare us? What is that pain that we go through? Does it deepen the waters of my soul or does it make me ticked off at God? What do I do when I go through a season of pain? C.S. Lewis, a, a, a great author, said this. He said, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers, catch this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Wow. Friends, scars that we have in our life, Think about, think about some emotional scars that you have in your life. Scars are a beautiful reminder that you have survived hard things. I, I still have some scars of that stuff that I went through when I was a teenager, but, but they don't hurt anymore, but they remind me of something that God did in my life. I still have some scars of losing my brother, and like, like, but it, it also reminds me that God heals. Scars are a beautiful reminder that you have survived hard things. I think we need to remember, you guys, that scars, God doesn't give us those scars to remind us 
that we've been hurt. God gives us scars to remind us that we've been healed, that we've been delivered, and that we've been set free. That's good news, friends. Hmm. Friends, as you look back on your life, my guess is that if you're honest with yourself, some of the moments in your life when you have grown the most, been transformed the most, were probably in a season of pain in your life. So here's my key question for you. How would viewing my pain in light of eternity impact how I go through pain? Let's talk lastly about the platform of pain. So we talked about the promise of pain, the perspective of pain. Let's talk about the platform of pain. Friends, I believe that our greatest impact can come from our greatest pain. Friends, you ask yourself this question. Be honest with yourself. Take a moment just and let this, I want this question to impact your heart. What if your greatest pain could become the platform for your greatest impact while you're here on earth? That section in blue. What if the greatest pain that you've gone through can become the platform for your greatest impact? Friends, we have to make our pain, our purpose, much bigger than our pain. Our purpose has to be bigger than our pain. Friends, somebody needs your story. Friends, please hear this. Someone needs your story of your season that you went through pain. Because I believe, much like David and Goliath, how, how David took, and, took a little stone and slayed Goliath, your story of how you went through a season of pain could become the very stone that takes down a Goliath in someone else's life. Mm. God's heart is to redeem our pain. He wants to redeem our pain. Let me illustrate what redeem means. A bottle of Coke. I remember when I was a kid, I would ride my bike along the golf course in Anacortes, and I would go down to the little corner store, and I would buy a Coca-Cola for 25 cents. I know you younger people are going, 25 cents? <laughs> I'd buy it for 25 cents. And here was the amazing thing. I could drink this Coca-Cola. I got what I paid for. But here was the cool thing. I could redeem this bottle, I could take it back down to that same corner store, and the guy that owned that store would give me a nickel back. <laughs> he, would, he would redeem what I already got. Guys, that's what God's heart is in our life. God's heart is to redeem the pain in our life. So many people go around and we try, to, we try to cover our pain or we try to cover our scars. Friends, what if we as a church, what if we as a church were courageous enough, each one of us, to surrender our story, to surrender our pain and ask God, God, would you redeem my pain? Hmm. Friends, hear this. Specific pain enables us to comfort others specifically. The things that you've gone through in your life are different than the things that I've gone through in my life. Your painful moments are different than my painful moments. But specific pain enables us to comfort others specifically. 
man, you guys, what if we took as a church and we said, God, we're going to take our pain and we're going to turn it into purpose. What might that do in this community? If I was courageous enough to say, God, use my pain, use my story. You guys, what if the very thing that almost destroyed you, what if that thing that you went through that almost destroyed you and crushed you, what if you took that thing and you started the life group out of it? Friends, some of you in this room have been through the pain of a divorce. What if you started a life group about how to thrive in a second marriage? Specific pain enables us to comfort others specifically. Friends, maybe you're someone here today that has struggled with the pain of addiction, whatever that addiction has been in your life. What if you started, what if we had dozens of recovery groups in this church to walk alongside of people so that we could comfort others specifically because of something specific that I went through in my life. Because God can redeem that. Friends, maybe you're someone here today that's gone through the pain of losing somebody. Somebody close to you has passed away. There's a, there's a life group leader in our church, Steve and Stacy. They go to the second service. They both lost their spouses. They got, they got married to each other. They now lead a grief share life group. You guys, that's incredible to me. Taking a specific thing that they've gone through and, and literally turned it into a platform for what they're going to do in ministry in their life. Friends, maybe you're someone here today who has struggled with the pain of depression. Maybe you could start a finding your joy life group. Maybe you're someone here today that has gone through the pain of a bankruptcy. Maybe you have learned some things about money and maybe you could start a financial principles life group. Maybe you've had the challenge of really having a rough time raising teenagers and you somehow, by God's grace, survived it. Maybe you could start a parenting teenagers life group. Are you hearing me this morning, church? Friends, maybe you're here today and, and you went through the pain of being abused. Maybe you could start a survivors of abuse life group. Friends, God can redeem your pain. Friends, there might be someone sitting in front of you or behind you or three seats over from you today or somebody watching online that went to bed last night in the depths of their pain. And they might have this overwhelming sense that I'm the only person that's ever gone through this and I'm, I'm scared and I'm in trauma and I'm in pain and I feel all alone. God, would you please, they might have went to bed last night, God, would you please connect me with someone? Can you give me some hope? Hmm. You guys, the same God that knows the name of every star in the universe, who is radically in love with you, He knows your pain. He loves you in the middle of your pain. He wants to redeem your pain. Yeah. And other people, they need 
your story. They need you to be courageous enough, church, not to isolate and to hide my story, but to confidently be able to step forward and say, yeah, I've been through some stuff. Some of it may have been my own fault. I'm talking to me. I've gone through some stuff, but I'm not going to hide because God can take that thing that the devil meant for bad and he can redeem it for something good. So here's my key question for you on the, on the platform of pain is this. Am I open? Friends, be courageous this morning. This week, be courageous as you're spending time with your God and you're praying and ask yourself this question. Am I open? to asking God to use my pain to impact someone else's life. Am I open? Because if you're open, God will use it. So friends, as I close this morning, let me give you a couple kind of closing thoughts in a verse. I truly believe that Satan wants to use our pain to paralyze us to get us stuck, to get us bitter and angry and narrowly focused on just this little moment in the timeline of my existence. He wants, to, he wants to paralyze us. But God, the Redeemer, oh man, He wants to use our pain to propel us, to move us forward. That's good news. Friends, God is with you in the midst of your pain. If you're here today and you're in a season of pain, God is with you this morning. Friends, if you've been through some pain, and even if you're going through pain today, friends, God will not waste your pain. If you will surrender that pain to him, he will, he will use it. Let's look at one last verse this morning as I close. Psalm 147 says this. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. I love that. He counts the stars and calls them all by name. How great is our God. His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. Oh, man. Friends, this morning, will you receive that this morning? Let's not waste our pain.